You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is Tuesday, April 25th, 2023. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Buck Nuts Morning 5 and Change. It's my second day this week. I joined Dave yesterday for some draft manifesto love. Today, I'm joined by the great Pat Murphy, and we are going to talk much more about the transfer portal. Pat, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is draft week, so we will, of course, get into that, and we'll take whatever questions you have. But Pat has been kind of our resident transfer portal aficionado. It is actually a big job, a fastidious job that requires 24 hours on the Twitter. We uh, happened to go to the foundation fundraiser this past week and got to meet and talk to some Buckeyes. I talked to a position coach that said they are locked to Twitter just like we are, um, the fact that it's coming every day has everybody on their toes. So we're going to get into that today and talk about some possible spots Ohio State is aiming for, Pat. So let's do a top down here, maybe just a general vibe you have on how Ohio State has used the portal. And they their philosophy, for example, is different than the one Colorado is employing right now which is flushing half of their roster from a very bad power five team. Can't blame them for that. But I think I saw somewhere that 28 dudes have entered the portal with more to come in Boulder. Um, Surprising because if you've ever met anybody who attended Colorado, they don't want to leave. They usually stay in Boulder, but most people I know don't play football there. Very interesting across the board. Ohio State is more a pick and choose team than a mass exodus team. Let us know what you think and then what could be coming. Um, This is kind of uncharted waters. Yeah, I mean, look, the transfer portal now is, what, three-ish years in since the rules have changed and whatnot. So Ohio State had to figure out the approach that they wanted to take, right? And under Ryan Day, it's not been, as you mentioned, the 
let's just go get any good player that steps in there. And I know that's frustrating for Buckeye fans sometimes because you look around at some other teams like in Alabama who has had some success, not quite to the USC Colorado level of, of transfer portal movement, but they've brought in some guys each year that have made an impact. And Ohio State's been more pick and choosy with the guys they've brought in. There's There's been some success stories. Justin Fields obviously leads the group. Uh, Jonah Jackson, Trey Sermon, those guys. But they want guys that not only fit what they need on the field, but fit this culture, which is a huge word around the Woody that they talk about a lot, whether it's in interviews or, or you're just talking in general to guys. Um, and then they also want to make sure that they develop their own guys. They recruited these kids out of high school for a reason, right? So they want to make sure that the promises they made to these kids as much as possible are, are being lived up to. And so it's been a, a delicate approach, but I think that's even shifted some here in the last year. Look, already this offseason, the Buckeyes have brought in quite a few transfer portal guys, given the, the numbers they usually do. But the two main ones are two guys in the secondary where clearly Ohio State needed some help after last season. And Jihad Carter, the safety from Syracuse, and uh, Davison Igbenosan from LSU, or excuse me, Ole Miss, both guys who I think are, are going to be key contributors for this secondary. And now we're here in the, the secondary transfer portal window. And the Buckeyes have certainly been active looking for guys. The issue is there hasn't been the talent at the positions that they need that has entered the portal, which is something Ohio State doesn't really have a ton of control on. And I'm talking specifically at offensive line and, and those tackle positions. I've been doing an updated uh, transfer portal kind of watch on our site. Uh, I update it every few days as more guys get in. It's really just my speculation in terms of guys that Ohio State might be interested in. And, and there's been a few offensive linemen. Uh, Willie Tyler from Rutgers who went in the portal uh, was, was one that I thought, okay, they've gone to Rutgers before. Um, there's a the guy from Florida International who a lot of teams reached out to initially, Lindell Hudson. I'm just scrolling through the list here. Matthew Wyckoff was a guy at Texas A&M who caught everybody's attention because he was a highly recruited guy. Our Bill Curlick reported that they weren't really interested, that, that there wasn't much contact there. Uh, just this past weekend from uh, Wyoming, um, Deshaun Woods, an offensive lineman who was actually pretty highly recruited, had a number of offers. He's a guy that would make sense. It doesn't sound like they've done a, a much in terms of offering any of these guys. Usually we're pretty on top of that when they do. So from my understanding, there just isn't anybody that they think right now immediately makes them better over what they have. I think you could argue that, but look, these guys are in the building every day, right? They've seen more reps of Josh Fryer and Zen Mikowski and Tegra Shibola than, than I have and anyone else has. So look, I think if the right guy enters the portal, they're going to go get them uh, or do their best to go get them. It just hasn't happened yet. Uh, outside of that, which I think is probably the biggest position of need. There was some talk about maybe a defensive tackle kid from Ohio who ended up committing to Arkansas was at Maryland last year, took a visit to Ohio state. So I looked at some of the defensive tackles in there. Again, no one that jumps off the page is like, this guy steps in right away and is a game changer. The one guy that was interesting was Bear Alexander from Georgia, who was a highly recruited guy, a guy Ohio State had some interest in out of high school. So that may be one to watch, but I don't know how much they're really going to put resources into adding another defensive tackle. 
Remember, they're already over the scholarship limit, so guys are going to have to leave anyway to fill these spots. And then the last one that became interesting, though I don't think Ohio State was expecting it, was Lorenzo Styles Jr., who Buckeye fans will recognize the name, I'm sure. If you haven't already heard about it, he entered the portal last Friday out of Notre Dame. He is a guy who played wide receiver against Ohio State. He caught that pass, that 50, I think it was 54-yard pass on the first play that ended up getting Josh Proctor benched and Lathan Ransom became the starter. And now he's playing defensive back. He was working at that position at corner at Notre Dame this spring, was going to play, according to reports, both cornerback and wide receiver in the spring game, but elected to make a move. I talked to some people that are around the Notre Dame program that weren't all that surprised that he was in the portal. I was surprised by it, but they weren't. So look, this is a guy that obviously has some natural ties to Ohio State. His dad was a linebacker for the Buckeyes. His brother is obviously currently a safety for the Buckeyes. This is a position that doesn't have a ton of depth. They had six scholarship guys on the roster this spring. They'll add another one in Calvin Simpson Hunt from Texas in June. So that's seven. Usually that's a good number for the Buckeyes. I think they've carried as many as eight. So there could be room for Lorenzo Styles Jr. Bill Curlick reported that there has been some interest and that Styles is going to take some visits. But uh, I would I would not rule it out. I don't know if it's absolutely a position of need for the Buckeyes, but I certainly think, look, if you can, A, keep keep it in the family and bring in a guy who certainly has some talent, he may take a year or so to, to kind of adjust to flip into the other side of the ball. But, uh, you know, you get a talented player in. It's it's reminds me similarly without the family ties of Chip Trainum a year ago, a guy that played one side of the ball, now is willing to play the side of the ball that you were thinking of. Bring him in, let him work, uh, you know, kind of into that position. Obviously, Chip Trainum ends up back at running back. I don't think Styles is going to need to end up back at wide receiver, given the depth there, if he does join the Buckeyes. But certainly an interesting guy. The fact that he's already started to make that move to the secondary, I think, is positive. But that's definitely one to, to keep an eye on, I would say. Well, certainly an interesting one, given the uh, familial link there. And one of the reasons this is difficult, and the guys comment on this brass tax hit it here, is it's not like Ohio State has a weak roster right now. I mean, for a guy to come in from a lower level and start, which is what they want to do, that's that's not easy to do. Let's address the Bear Alexander from Georgia to USC uh, transfer. My understanding is Bear Alexander was basically out for the highest bidder and uh, moved on that that track and that he's got the transfer gene in his blood. I believe he went to a few different high schools and I'm not sure that was the most, as terms of position of need, I don't know if Bear, Bear Alexander I mean, I'm sure he'd play at Ohio State and be in the rotation, but it's not like he, I, I think he would you know, come in and save the world. I'm very happy with what they have at defensive tackle. It feels like for the first time they've got four really legit guys to rotate in there. I don't think that would be a position of need. And then you go to it. I think they've done the, – the work they did in the secondary will be lauded more once people get to see them play and in practice. But handpicking a corner like Davison Igbenosin – I could make an argument that that's about the most ideal transfer you could get a, uh, a a guaranteed starter from the SEC who has you know multiple years of eligibility left that wasn't regionally tied to his school. I mean that is a transfer 
he basically had a red target on his back when uh, the coach left Ole Miss. <coughs> Excuse me. And then Jihad Carter, I think, you know, we haven't talked about him as much, maybe because Igbenosin has kind of outshined him a little bit, but a veteran safety who was by many accounts the top safety on the market. That makes sense for Ohio State as a transfer. It's very – there aren't that many big guys good enough to play tackle at Ohio State and convincing them to leave where they are and stuff like that's very, very difficult. So, I mean, Jonah Jackson was an inside player and had a great career, but I don't see many transfers doing the – and it's we'll quoted as the Bear Alexander move here – going from USC to Georgia – that's just a lateral move for cash. I mean, that, that's – it doesn't juice your – I mean, Georgia's defense, if your goal is to get to the NFL, apparently they're good at producing NFL players on defense. I don't think you need to go to USC to do that. So every transfer has his own story. Um, let's get into this. One of the issues Ohio State is having, and we addressed this in the boarding house. If it wasn't yesterday, it was late last week. Guys don't want to leave. There are guys that they thought would want to leave uh, for playing time. For example, if you're a backup at Ohio State, you're likely a starter in the MAC or your starter at a lower level Power Five school. A lot of the guys they thought may want to boogie are just psyched being Buckeyes. Can you blame them? The culture is amazing. So I wonder what's going to happen there because they're going to face a little bit of an issue here because there is a possible roster crunch ahead, Pat. Absolutely. Um, and I think we think about, and I've said this before, you know, we just think about these kids as football players, right? Without thinking about they've got lives at the school outside of football and football is their main thing, no doubt about it. But a kid up and leaving, you know, I transferred schools in college and it was kind of a mess for the first few months, figuring everything out. I can't imagine doing that with a football, with the football factoring in. So like, that's something to consider, but then, yeah, you're, especially if you're an Ohio kid or you've been here a few years and you've become an Ohio kid and you're playing for the Buckeyes, I can certainly see why, even if, you know, if you've realized, look, maybe the NFL isn't where I'm going, staying at Ohio state is something that that guys would want to do. But yeah, there's definitely some guys you look at the roster. I mean, look at the offensive line and some of the guys that have been here a few years that you're, you know, Grant two time, just an example. He's, he's a senior at Ohio State, and I'm not saying Grant's going to enter the transfer portal or anything like that. I don't want this confused, but this is a senior guy who we didn't hear a lot about in spring practice, even though they're looking for various positions on the offensive line. Somebody like that, I think a lot of places would up and leave. At Ohio State, you don't see that too much. Uh, Linebacker is another one. There's a log jam because they only play two linebackers, right? So, you know, Reed Carrico, he's a junior at Ohio State. That's a guy I think in a lot of programs would have up and left by now. The Buckeyes are going to have to figure something out, right? Because there are just too many, too many guys right now. And if you're going to bring in more, you've got this freshman class, the rest of the freshman class coming this summer, there's got to be that natural attrition. And look, they've, they've figured it out before. They'll figure it out this time. But it does make crunching the numbers a bit difficult, not just for us, you know, trying to report on it, but for the Buckeyes, uh, I do believe that they have until fall camp, if I'm not mistaken, to get this sorted out or at some point during fall camp. I don't think it has to be this summer um, when you become roster compliant, for lack of a better term. But, yeah, it's it's certainly, uh, you know, it's certainly an issue that not it's not just an Ohio State thing. Right. Anybody who's bringing in players 
And we wondered why the class maybe was smaller this year, this 2023 class. This is part of it. You, you have to have the, the scholarship numbers. I think you're seeing that, that the Buckeyes are building a bigger class this time. But you're going to run into this every year. When you talk transfer portal, you've got to talk guys coming in, but guys also going out too. So it's all just part of the factor. Um, I did see someone in the comments mention that NIL thing you mentioned, Dan. And I think that's another thing when you're talking about Ohio State's culture and the way that they've handled the transfer portal. It's similar to what they've done in recruiting, right? They're not just going to throw the bag at a kid to get him here. Um, I think, and you and I saw it firsthand at the foundation event, things are changing when it, be, when it comes to Ohio State and NIL. They're, they're much more in the game than I think they were a year ago at this time. But still, they don't want to become that school that's just paying kids without production on the, on the field. Now, transfers are a little different. You've seen them do it at the college level as opposed to a high school kid. But still, you want to get them in the door. You want to figure things out. And they don't want guys that are only in it for the money. They want guys that want to stay around, right? And uh, so it's it's kind of a double-edged sword there. But I do think that's a good point from whoever said I couldn't find it here in the comments. But yeah, NIL is certainly a factor, especially at those premium positions like a tackle would be. And, uh, you know, I, I think the Buckeyes will continue to work through this NIL stuff and figure it out a little bit more. It looks like they've got it going in the recruiting side of things. How do they want to handle it when it comes to the transfer portal will, will certainly be a factor as well. It's interesting. And let's actually take a break here at the 16 minute mark. So we can pay a couple of pod pass, pod pass. I'm not sure what that is. Podcast bills. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Here's another thing I think is happening. And this is kind of an overarching positive development that maybe they didn't take into account. The type of guys they're recruiting now, because they're not the pay me originally type guys, you're getting better dudes in the program. So no one's going to want to leave. I had, I was so impressed meeting the young guys at um, the foundation thing. Like, I said this, I may have said this when we talked about Aaron Nolan having covered sports for a long time and come up, you know, starting out covering high school kids when I was a little bit younger, there would be times in a conversation where I'd be interviewing a guy eight or nine years younger than me and halfway through realized this kid is way more mature than I am. <laughs> Aaron Nolan is one of those dudes. Carnell Tate, another one of those dudes, walked right into the thing. Biggest smile you've ever seen. Super, like my test for kids now that my kids are in, how comfortable are you as a teenager looking into the eyes and speaking to an adult? Are you just looking for the exit hatch every time we're talking? 
Are you repeating yourself with some regurgitated stuff they told you to say, or are you actually investing in the conversation with your personality and such? Carnell Tate, man. Carnell Tate and Jelani Thurman, if I could buy stock in their future, I would empty my mortgage. Okay. Those guys are first off the bus. Um, Very impressive dude. So I actually think Ohio State's approach and the way they recruit, they're turning into, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but do, and I say this a lot because I covered basketball recruiting so much on my way up, but Duke in North Carolina back in the day didn't recruit. They selected. They went and got the guys that were not just the great athletes, but great kids, good students, great in the community. When you start doing that back-to-back-to-back-to-back classes and you build a culture like Ohio State has now, then you fold in their ideas on NIL, which I would think would, generally speaking, generally speaking, attract a more long-term thinker, if that's fair. Um, I think the culture has been improved just on its face. So very, very impressed. I just cannot get over how impressed I was with the young guys that they're bringing in, not just from a playing perspective that and the size of julian fleming's arms are the two things that i came out of i cannot get over how big julian fleming is that's incredible all right let's talk about this the draft is coming up this week um we are not going to talk about s2 today we're going to talk quickly about the draft i'm going to go back and bang out some of these questions but any surprises any uh guys you see dropping big any guys you see jumping big uh everything we've heard about this draft is that it's the least predictable ever i mean cj has gone from number one now he's number 11 now he's back to two so what's your vibe on the draft who who's going to be the big winner or who's going to be the ohio state guy wishing had a different accountant one guy who i've seen both you know a few reports but i've also heard a couple things is is Paris Johnson. And look, I mean, we, we expect him to move up, you know, be pretty high pick anyway. I saw something yesterday suggesting that, you know, he's one of the guys that teams are quietly more interested in than people think. And I, I, in the same thing, I saw it suggested, what if he goes, you know, top three, you know, we're talking offensive line. I saw somebody mention, you know, why can't they get offensive linemen? I think Justin Fry is going to end up doing just fine with that once kids see how he can develop and send guys to the NFL, that would be a pretty big selling point for Ohio state. It's going to be a big selling point for Ohio state in terms of offensive linemen anyway, but suggesting Paris Johnson as the number three pick in the draft. And that's an interesting one because it's the Arizona Cardinals who don't need a quarterback are sort of changing the way they do things with a new head coach. So that's a guy to keep an eye on that maybe goes higher than people expected. Obviously the CJ talk is what it is. Look, you know, it'd be great to see an Ohio State guy go one, two, three, somewhere in there. Uh, you know, we haven't had an Ohio State quarterback, a Big Ten quarterback drafted that high in quite some time. But I think CJ, he's going to be a high pick wherever he ends up. And, and if he falls, and I know people have said this, if he falls a little bit, he ends up in a better situation, right? And that could be better for his career overall. Um I will be very interested if we're just talking first round where where Jackson goes. It seems like teams have different thoughts on him in terms of, you know, maybe he doesn't have enough film because it was only one season and some teams really like what they saw, especially at the combine in the pro day. So where he he goes, I do expect him to be one of the top receivers off the board. And then just the, the kind of the other guys, right? Day two, day three, 
how many guys does Ohio State end up getting picked? I think last year was six guys, which was a low for the last handful of seasons. So, you know, can they, do they get over that number? Uh, you know, a guy like Ronnie Hickman is a guy who's probably on the edge there. Ronnie, if he had been able to come out a year ago, probably gets picked a lot higher than he did after the second half of last season. Pretty inconsistent with his play, but I think he's a good player. I just think his eye was already on the NFL draft as opposed to what uh, what he needed to handle on the field every play. So, yeah, certainly how many guys they get picked, that seems to be a, a number that gets thrown out after uh, after every draft with different schools and whatnot. I think they can go over 90 first-round picks, become the first program to do that this uh, this year. So, you know, a lot of interesting different things, but so much talk, so much smokescreen. I try, you know, I keep up with it just because that's what we do. But also keep in mind, take it with a grain of salt. We're going to find out what happens, especially with that first round on Thursday. There's a lot being said right now. And for whatever reason, it always seems like Ohio State guys end up on the negative side of it. I never, I've never understood why that is. Yeah, I don't think that that uh, negative vibe exists with the people who write the checks. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, that, there's a, there's definitely a vibe among the NFL NFL people that I've spoken with that you know having the Ohio State brand next to your name adds to your draft stock. Here's I want to address several things you said there. One was about the offensive line. Here's my vibe with the way they're recruiting offensive linemen and transfers. If you see them offered, I think they expect to get them. So they may be a little hesitant. Hesitant is not the right word. Selective with the offers. I mean, much talk has been about who was offered in the class of 2024 and 2025 in Ohio and who wasn't. Um, But I think going forward, if you see an offensive lineman offered, the expectation is that player will be on the Buckeye. So you may not see as many offers. That's kind of what I'm saying there. Secondly, on Paris Johnson, on the draft show Dave and I did yesterday, I actually, Dave and I did some predictions. I predicted I predicted Paris would go number seven to the Raiders, which is a little high. Um, got some response to that, which I will feature in the boarding house today from an extremely, extremely good source on this. And I think uh, Paris's accountants will want to tune in and Keep it going. Uh, third, CJ, the fit. There are some quarterbacks that I think could go anywhere and be successful. Um, surprisingly, like I, Pat Mahomes to me went to the ideal situation for him to finish off his development and get behind someone like Alex Smith for a year and be with a genius like Andy Reid. I'm in no way saying Pat Mahomes wouldn't have been successful elsewhere, but I thought that was the ideal spot. Whereas... I thought Joe Burrow, I did not care where Joe Burrow went to play football. I knew he was going to be successful because he's nuts in a good way. Um, CJ, I think, and let's look, the late, great Dwayne Haskins went to the worst possible situation for him. Um, He went from a structured environment surrounded by a disciplinarian coach, a great offensive line, and great receivers to a Redskins team that didn't want him had a poor staff, a poor receiving core, um, suspect a lot of stuff, and put him in his hometown, and it didn't work. Uh, had had Dwayne gone to another spot with a similar structure to that of Ohio State, Lord knows where we'd be right now. So um, 
fit is huge. If CJ slips and goes to a better fit, I don't know many quarterbacks that could have survived what Justin Fields just went through. Okay. Um, and that's not how he played in college. We all know this. I go over this every show. People think people who don't follow Ohio state football or college football that follow the NFL think, you know, he, he played in the, uh, Barry Switzer offense in Oklahoma. The guy had 41 touchdowns and three interceptions as a junior. And we begged him to run more as a senior. And he wouldn't do it because the team was afraid he's going to get hurt. CJ put behind that line last year with that receiving core would have been, uh, you know, a sitting duck. So he's got to go to a place that's a good fit. Um, And if he drops and loses a couple million on the front end, quarterbacks who get to a second contract, do not have financial issues of any kind. No. So he'd be much better. I mean, literally, you're talking about the top 10 quarterbacks are all going to be making at least $50 million a year within the next 18 months. So uh, there's a also, like, like, there's a reason Lorenzo Styles is moving to corner. You know what I'm saying? It's easier to be a corner in the NFL than a wide receiver. Um, and if you can be a quarterback, do it. All right, let's try and find some questions here before we boogie. We talked about Lorenzo Styles. We talked about some other transfers. Um, let's see. How about this, Pat? Were you surprised that Cyber boogied? No. Uh, I mean, in the sense of guys that we were talking about that didn't seem to have interest in leaving Ohio State, I think he fell into that category. But ultimately, look, the, he wants to play. He wants to kick. He doesn't really want to play corner. So you know, kickers and judging kickers out of the transfer portal is a difficult thing. But he was pretty highly recruited coming out of high school. The Buckeyes were pretty happy with what they got at the time. So I think there's an opportunity for him elsewhere. Uh, and, you know, it, it may have taken a while. He had to really read the writing on the wall. But, um, no, I – that was one of the guys I had sort of earmarked as, okay, this, this would make sense. And I never like to say that guys are going to do it because I know that that, that causes some, some issues with people, but it was a guy who certainly made sense that, uh, you know, he, he wasn't going to play here at Ohio state. So if he wanted an opportunity, it was going to be getting in the portal, finding an opportunity elsewhere. This question from Darren Dorsey, whose name is wonderful and Spelled correctly. I don't know if you can see that, Pat. That is my, my eldest son's name. I like that name quite a bit. Do you do you guys think the same feeling for the football team will permeate into the basketball program? I'd, be, I'd have a hard time saying same anything at Ohio State for football and basketball, just in terms of interest and dollars. But I do think, I mean uh, – Holtman, uh, Chris Holtman spoke at length at the at the event um, and made it clear that without use of the transfer portal and the NIL, you cannot field a competitive basketball program. Um, I think that was very clear from him. Basketball is a little different than football just because your eggs get put into smaller amounts of baskets, if that makes sense. Um, if you hit on a guy, it's a huge score. If you miss on a guy with NIL, you're generally screwed. In football, Ohio State is so deep. I mean, you're not dealing with any other sports team as deep as Ohio State, maybe Alabama and Georgia. 
where you can literally pay a guy NIL, it doesn't work out, and you go to a four-star youngster behind him and he'll be even better. That doesn't exist in many spots. So for basketball, I mean, Tanner Holden came in. I don't think that was a transfer they would do again. That's my opinion based on entrance and production. And uh, basketball is way, way more Wild West than football in the fact that guys make lateral moves all the time. Very few guys, if you look in the football portal, are making just lateral moves. You don't see guys going from, you know, mid fifth place Purdue to Indiana, for example. Or, I mean, you can probably show me an example of that. But generally speaking, guys are going down to a level where they think they get more playing time or moving up to a higher profile spot. Basketball, yeah, you can't, you cannot find any rhyme or reason to this thing. Um, it's gotten really bad. So I don't know what's going to go on there. I obviously don't think the basketball program is in the same spot as the football program. Um, even in terms of approach, I don't think you can do basketball the way Ohio state does football. I don't think anybody's transferring here in basketball and then saying, how much are you going to pay me? Uh, that money's going to have to come on the front end and be large. So, Pat, you've covered basketball at length. Why don't we finish off with your comparison between the two and kind of how you see Ohio State using the transfer portal for basketball? Yeah, I mean, I think the basketball team has been much more willing to get involved in it quicker. Um, you've seen it almost every year they've brought in, but the philosophy is similar in the sense that Chris Holtman wants to recruit the high school kids, develop them. I think if Chris Holtman had his way, you would have even fewer one and dones than the Buckeyes have already had. That was something he talked about early on was that they would like to have kids that are in the program two, three, you know, maybe four years. And that's not to say that they're not talented kids, but they want kids that are, are, are going to, you know, they realize at least, especially in his last places, that they weren't going to get a lot of the one and duds. And even at Ohio state, they've, they've been fortunate enough to have two guys now that have turned into that, but they weren't guys recruited that way. So when it comes to the transfer portal, they've become more willing to tap into that when needed. I think, you know, you've already seen it with a couple guys this off season. You saw it with three, four guys, whatever it was last year. So certainly more willing uh, just because of the nature of the sport. I think that the, just in terms of the basketball program overall, I do think Chris Holtman and Ryan Day have a lot of similar philosophies in terms of how they like to build their teams. I know they're guys that I wouldn't call them best friends, but I do know they talk a lot. So look, they both want to build similarly successful programs. I think Chris Holtman is, it's taken longer than he would have liked, but they've started, you know, on the recruiting front at least to move in that direction, recruiting top 10 classes in, in consecutive years. So I think there are definitely some similarities in terms of the way that the coaches perceive the program. But, yeah, I mean, Ohio State football, that's an animal that's hard to replicate anywhere, much less doing it down the street at the same school with a different program. Um, Chris Holtman – or I'm sorry, Thad Mata had it rolling for a while, but things were different in football at that point in time too, mm -hmm. right? So I think there are similarities. I would never say that they are going to end up being exactly the same. Problem with basketball is you get a guy in there that's that good, he's gone. That's just, I mean, there's no there's no time for him to wait around. And you know, I don't think they thought Malachi Brandon was a one and done, but there was a vacuum at his spot, so he was able to move up. And then that vacuum created allowed Bryce Sensabaugh to come in and probably get up more shots than anyone thought. And 
he is now headed to the NBA. Bryce Sensabaugh, I will say in person, as tall as I thought, only about 6'4". And my other basketball impression was Bruce Thornton has starting to look a little more svelte. Uh, I asked him if they're trying to cut some weight off him, and he said they're trying. So he's looking good. Um, and Felix Akpara, legit 6'11". Holy cow. When you're in a room with uh, hundreds of Division One athletes, and it looks like one guy is literally six inches taller than everybody else, that guy is Felix Akpara. So we appreciate Pat stopping by. Keep it locked into Bucknuts all week. Who knows? We could have a transfer portal chatter later today. It's always, and the draft is coming up. So have a good one, Bucknutters. Oh, my God.